Hey, friends, welcome back to another episode of Off Mike, Off the Record. I'm your host, Aaron Bentley. Uh, joining me this week is a guy I've known for several, several years and had some pretty interesting stories we're going to get into with Mr. Kanan Bryce. What's up, man? How are you, bud? Oh, good. Just starting the day off. So I was thinking about something the other day. Do you remember about five, four, five years ago seeing a Sasquatch come out of the woods at LJT in the middle of the day? Absolutely. <laughs> So let's preface the story for everybody. Um, several years ago at LJT, I would host um, a, a songwriter after party kind of a deal where we do campfire jams. And our we were so if you're facing the stage at LJT and you look to the right or stage left, as we would like to call it, there would be like the corn dog stand because there's six of them out there. And then you would have the pizza fire truck. Then you'd have the wine guy. And then you would have us. There was also we had what we we had someone with whiskey too. Oh, yeah, with Devil's River. Yeah, Devil's River. Devil's River was next to us one year. And we would always have, uh, we just basically would have two campers set up. We'd have our fire pit and we would just start some after, after fire jams. Well, we were backed up to that kind of little treed area over there where the uh, old rock stage was in the back. We didn't use the rock stage. We just kept it, kept it out front. And this was on like a Friday or a Saturday. So we're, we're gearing up to the end of the festival. And this is midday too, by the way. So we're talking like noon or one o'clock and we're in. We're in the camper. I don't know what we were doing. We're probably eating lunch or something. And we just start hearing like a tree falling or something. There's, there's limbs like breaking, not like twigs, like <laughs> limbs breaking. We're like, what the fuck is going on? Cause I mean, we're backed up right to the tree line and we go back there and there's a Sasquatch or a drunk guy. Very drunk guy. <laughs> very, very drunk guy. <laughs> and he's trying to make his way through the woods where he falls backwards and he's grabbing, <laughs> he's grabbing branches. So. Being responsible adults who weren't drunk yet, we go to help this guy out of the woods. Semi hungover. Well, I don't know about y'all, but I definitely was. I was hungover. It was day like six at LJT, so I was extremely hungover. So we go to help this guy out of the woods, and he's so drunk, he can't talk. And now he's mad. And I mean mad. And I'm like, hey, man, are you you okay? Are you you good? You need something? Because you just fell through trees. And he just starts bawling his fists up. And he's all, Rrr. I mean, just the rage is building. But he can't speak because he's drunk. So he's like, um, there was three of us back there. Yeah. There's three of us. So there's you, me, and another friend of ours who had just competed on American Ninja Warrior. And so he's a, he's Carl. Carl. <laughs> so he's a, so, and you're a big, you're a big guy. You're bigger than me. And I'm not a small guy. And then you got an American Ninja Warrior over there. <laughs> And this dude is like bowing up like he's about to start some kind of Bruce Lee action flick with us. I was, I was about to toss his ass through a tree. I thought you were. You were eating a corn dog too, weren't you? Yeah. You were the coolest. And the bad thing was Carl looked at me like, see, you're going to do it or I'm going to do it. And I was like, I'm definitely going to do it. All my corn dog. And so this guy, I mean, and I, legitimately, he was mad. For, I mean, we, we did absolutely nothing. We helped him out of the woods because he couldn't get out. He had like kind of got himself pinned in some branches. And I'm pretty sure, uh, maybe too much information, but I'm pretty sure like he was like falling in the spot where we had like had drunkenly peed the entire week. It was. That may be why he was mad is that was our outdoor urinal. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure I pissed there at least I, 10, 11 times. I know I did. <laughs> Because stairs on a camper are tricky when you're drunk. Oh, very. <laughs> and and you know it's kind of 
you don't want to use the bathroom in the camper too much. So no, no, no. when you can go outside, you try to go outside. I'm not condoning peeing in public. <laughs> it was dark. There was no lights. We're all drinking. So, but this guy was mad. And then the sheriff comes up and he looks at the guy. He looks at us, looks at the guy, looks at me and goes, I was just going to let your buddy whoop his ass. <laughs> the sheriff said that. Hey, because I think I'd, I got to ask him, like, hey, you want to take this guy? And he just kind of giggled. <laughs> the sheriff just kind of giggled. I'm going to let your buddy whoop his ass, and then I'll haul him off. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm not going to say where this was the sheriff from. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. But he was a man of the law. Man of the law. I mean, again, we weren't doing anything wrong. We almost we almost whooped his ass, but we didn't do anything. We didn't. And I think he wised up when he realized there was three of us there. And plus a sheriff. Plus a sheriff. <laughs> I don't know why I just thought of that. Sorry. That we just went off on a tangent for no reason. That was, and that was such a strange, strange world that seems, seems light years away. Yeah. It, it really feels like forever ago. And in reality, it's only a handful of years ago. It, but the cool, I, I think, I think what makes it so feel so long ago is because we've had so many of those stories over the past handful of years. I mean, what we did what, three or four OJTs with you? Four. Yeah. I think it was four years that we did that. And uh, three years in that spot, and we were kind of around the horseshoe. Mm-hmm. And every year there was something crazy that happened. Always. There was the year that we were all in my camper when it was, I swear, a tornado went right over the top of us. Oh, yeah. And there was nine of us in the camper, and we were just playing rock and roll. Yeah, it was what? Me, you, Shabshire. Austin Oak Church. Justin Ross. Justin Ross. Uh, the guy who owned the wine tent. Yes, yes. Uh, I forget I've, his name. Yeah, I'm going to think of it here, and he's going to kill me. <laughs> he's from Grapevine. He owns uh, Wine Fusion. And I think he ran for mayor or maybe is the mayor of Grapevine now. No shit. He's playing Cajon for us. <laughs> and then He had some bomb-ass popsicles, too. He had some bomb-ass popsicles. And then the Hydra Pros guys were in there. Yeah. And there was two ladies who got caught in the storm that were hanging out at the yeah. table. There might have been more than nine of us in that camper. It was, it was pretty packed up. And we were just, just, just passing around a guitar. Passing around a guitar jam, and there's hail hitting the side and of the was, camper. It was shitting on us, too. Like, it was horrible. Bad. Damn, that was fun. Yeah, that's a lot of good moments. Man, I remember the last year we did it with y'all. Uh, I think it was me and Gump. Me and Gump stayed there. Mm-hmm. And... We we had like a day job at the time, so like we would work Monday morning and then get off at like four or five and then haul ass to Stephenville, do the campfire thing, and then leave at like three in the morning, get like a couple hours of sleep. I think I I drove pretty much every night back and forth, and we'd sleep like two hours, get up, work, leave, go straight to Stephenville, and we did that till fucking Thursday. Yes. And I was shit tired. I'm sure you were. That's that's not a long drive. <laughs> it's to what two hours? <laughs> I was saying Horrible. that facetiously. <laughs> Fuck. Cause you were driving back to Ellis County. Yes. Walks to Ashy. What's what's crazy is that that's, that's not the first time I've done that. So whenever we were in studio for my first record at Melody Mountain Ranch, I would uh work till like 11 or 12 and then haul ass to Stephenville and uh, be in studio all day and then get out of studio, go to the to rock and pee or the, the nettle, drink my ass off, 
I probably shouldn't say this. <laughs> Drink and then drive. Statue of limitations. Two hours is up. back. And then get up and work in the morning. I mean, I, I guess I can say it because I was still good enough to get up and work in the morning and do the same thing for four days in a row. I'm not condoning that type of activity, but it happens. Yeah, it happens. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. You got to you got to work. You got to do studio and have time for your friends, you know? There's not enough hours in the day, sir. No. No. Maybe we should have invested in crypto back then. We could afford to not have to work. Is that a thing back then? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> if it was, we're wait, too late. We'll be back after a quick break. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. I think it might have been a thing. You're only talking six years ago, right? When that album come out? 17? 16? 18? 18? I like how you're over here whispering. There's a <laughs> mic right in front of you. You can answer. 18. He can't remember anything. I can't either. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the, the end of 18. Because my first single. It was uh, October of 18. I remember it because I started dating in January of 19. Oh, okay. September. <laughs> September was the single. And then. Uh, I can tell you the exact date. That's okay. That's okay. September was a single, and then October was the album. So I did it a month apart. Okay. Hey, the good thing is um, we'll say things on here, and because I am not an expert at anything, we can be wrong about dates and things like that. I had an episode once where I was interviewing a guy, and we were talking about – we got into some serious history because I know you're a history guy, and like I was off by like five centuries on whatever I was talking about. (laughs) And he was like, I don't think it was quite that early. And I was like, oh, yeah, it was like 800 B.C. and all this kind of stuff, and it turns out it was like four centuries ago. That's that's, that's, uh, pretty – like those dates and times back then, the the B.C.s and A.D.s are really pretty tricky because – you know, I don't, I don't think anybody's exact when that comes around, you know. Can we be? Have you ever heard the theory that the Dark Ages didn't happen? Mm-mm. Like knights and medieval times didn't happen? Oh, no, it definitely happened. It did. I went through and, again, I go down these wormholes and I was watching some <laughs> random YouTube documentary where this guy was trying to prove that the Dark Ages never happened because there's not enough, like, you know, suits of armor and castles. And I was like, it's because they destroyed fucking everything. That's why it doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. You know, I, I think that was the age of like the pillaging. I, I, feel, I feel like they took that shit way too serious. Yes. Hello, good folk of the township. I'm going to destroy your entire village. Burn everything. Everything. <laughs> if you could live in any different era, what would it be? Ooh, man. I was I have I have two eras uh that I could fit in. I was either I was either with the Spartans. Okay. And and the was that the Bronze Age? Bronze Age, yeah. Or the Wild West, man. For some reason I I, I feel like I'd be one of those uh one of those not uh 
like bounty hunters. Okay. But but I'm I'm in with the the native tribes, you know. Okay. Like, like the the only white guy they accept around. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I feel like I was one of those. Yeah, you'd smoke on the peace pipe and then you go go after a gunslinger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Or or Viking. I I, I guess I could be a Viking. <laughs> I like to think of myself as uh, I'd have been like a court jester, <laughs> like a like a Joker. Yeah, I'd have been <laughs> the court jester, or or I'd have been like a philosopher with the Romans, dude. I, I could definitely see the philosopher. I, I felt like the Joker's had it bad. It's either like it was like your one fuck up, bam, you're dead. But everybody loved him until they fucked up. Yes, yes. See, I can never be a good Joker because. I fuck up way too much. Oh, I'd have been like a 22 and gone because <laughs> I just said something really dumb. And the king would have been like, off of the set. Gotta go. Gotta go. But like a Roman philosopher, I think that would fit me. Like, like a Socrates. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah a I'm Socrates. Not, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, there you go. I hear Socrates. You. Socrates. <laughs> or I'd have been really good in like the 20s. Like 1920s? Yeah. Like, uh, like. Wow, what era was that? Like that had been like the, the the prohibition. Yeah, prohibition. Gangsters and yeah, zoot suits and speakeasies and that had been like kind of. I, I could see you owning a speakeasy for sure. Have y'all watched the? Um, you're, you're you're a very secretive person. Like you love like entertaining people and showing everybody a good time, but you're also like my people. Yeah, yeah I keep it quiet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I don't pl- I don't publicize a lot, but. Have you watched HBO has on HBO Max? They have a thing. I just started watching it last night. Um, and it is a like the bar build off. Like they go to a they go to like a neighborhood and you have two neighbors and you each get twenty five thousand dollars and they give you a contract and you get to build the neighborhood bar. And it's like the bar off. Whoever has the best neighborhood bar. Yeah. yeah you need to watch it. It's pretty cool. Just about everything that's happening in uh, like California because they're just like first series, their first season into it. And it's like they got these two contractors from Chicago who are like really badass contractors. And you just tell them what you kind of, what's your backyard theme? And then what is your special drink? And then the winner between the two bars. So you get the bar. So you got to pay tax on the bar, but the winner gets 10,000. Mm. So not only do you get them to build a bar for you for 25 grand, you get a possibility of getting an extra 10. And you also have a really cool bar. And you got a really cool bar. <laughs> the very first one, dude did a speakeasy with a hidden entrance in his garage. Mm. Like you raise the garage door and it just looks like a garage. And like the washer and dryer are the door to get into it. Is that where they crawl through? No, no, no. Like he had sta- a stackable washer and dryer and, and you just turn the up. setting to like, I don't know, whatever it was. And it opens up and it still had like clothes in the dryer. Oh, so, so they worked. They worked. No shit. And, uh, yeah, and I was like, oh, this is the coolest fucking thing ever. <laughs> and I walked into the speakeasy, and and then you just have to watch it, but I, I don't remember the exact name of it. I'll, I'll look it up here in a second, but, like, they built some, like, badass shit. Like, this one dude wanted, like, a Knights of the Round Table theme bar, mm. and he had a sword in the stone, and, like, had a foot lever to where he's the only person that could release the sword out of it. And when you do, there was, like, a pitcher on the side, and he'd fill up with beer so you could pull the sword out and then down and chug it. Chug it. No shit. Mm-hmm. That's pretty creative. I like that. Yeah. If you, yeah, if you could build your they had theme. Like goblets and everything? Oh, they had fucking everything. Like, they went full on. On all these episodes, the one lady wanted a tiki bar in her, or uh, the lady wanted a tiki bar in her backyard. And, like, they had, like, 
floats in her pool and like all this they brought in all kinds of stuff another lady wanted a spanish cantina and so they put a spanish cantina and brought in like the seating was like uh, canoes that they'd cut in half I'm like oh it's fucking badass another one she wanted it to be like shabby chic so like the bar was like a like a really short camper and then like she had a stage for comedians to come over <laughs> i mean like they did some pretty crazy shit i mean like i'm telling you like this is one you'll watch and it's another guy wanted get you hooked. it'll get you a doomsday bunker oh yeah Hey, that's definitely me. Was that what you do? You, you do Doomsday Bunker kind of No, deal? but I, I wish I had the money too. But if you were on the show, what would your backyard bar be? Mm. Mine would be a speakeasy. I mean, I'm just going to tell you right yeah. now. Mine would be a speakeasy. You'd go in and there'd be like, you know, Hemingway stuff on the wall and like whiskeys and all that kind of stuff. Man, I would say like, mm, I would say like a, that's probably a horrible idea, but I've always liked the old school cathedrals. Oh, yeah, like stained glass and like bench seats everywhere, and okay, and big golden cross, big organ pipes coming up. Yeah, that would be really fucking cool. That'd be pretty badass. Probably not the best place to drink, but I mean, it's, it's a good concept. It's a great concept. <laughs> what would, what would your signature drink be? Signature drink. I don't know, man. Uh, I'll tell you mine. Mine would be like a like a version of like a spicy mojito. I'm I'm, I'm a pretty simple simple drinker, honestly. I like like Jaeger bombs. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I I'll either drink. Man, I don't know. I'm 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 a big Crown guy. Okay, I, I, I like like Crown and Sprite. Here you go. So maybe maybe like a like a new school crown and sprite, maybe with like a lime, a little lime twist. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Some mint, maybe mint. Mm-hmm. Crush it up a little. Bit. Oh, a little muddling in there. <laughs> I like where you're going with this. Yeah, man. Shows like that they, they suck me in so hard. Like I'll find one of those like random shows. It's like a season long. Some show that lasted. I'll binge watch the whole fucking thing. I've got one episode left of the bar show I didn't watch last night. <laughs> I was sitting up and I was like, all right, I got to do some writing. You know, I haven't wrote in a couple of days. I got to do some writing. And then I just, one o'clock, I finally said, all right, time to sit down and write. Because I looked up the clock and went, oh, shit, I'm on episode nine. There, there was a Netflix series that, that I started watching. And it was um, fake, It was like vacation rentals. And basically, or basically what they did is they found like the best Airbnbs that you could find across America. And they did each episode. They had like a bang for the buck, um, the best uh, like culture experience, and then like the no money, no limit. So like each each one had like your bargain spot, and then you know your your kind of mid range like adventurous spot, and then your high class spot. Okay. So it was really really cool. I saw a lot of places across America. Did you make a list? No, I couldn't afford it even if I wanted. Nah, I couldn't afford the bang for the buck, you know? <laughs> What's the coolest Airbnb you've ever stayed in? Um, It was probably in Waco. It uh, was not cool. I'm sorry, I'm yeah, going to interject. It was, it was an insane asylum, I swear. An actual insane asylum? No, it was a house, but this house was so freaky. It was, I, I haven't stayed in many Airbnbs. I think this might be the only one I've ever stayed in. So this is my only option. To be fair, my parents booked it. Uh, we were both playing in Waco, both of our bands too. So there was a lot of us, and my parents were there too. 
this house housed 16 people. So we were like, heck yeah, you know, like, let's stay there. Anyways. But um, there was uh, like handprints on the windows. Like if you open up the curtains, there's like handprints on the outside of the windows. And one of the, one of the rooms was like splattered paint, but like the rain, it was like all white room, uh, but like that really bright white, but it had like, it was like a clown splatter paint everywhere. <laughs> okay. It was like pretty, ceiling it was pretty, to floor, the whole thing, like not was, even just the walls, like ceiling and floor. It was pretty psychotic. I need to drink a lot to stay there. They had water though. They had water. The, in and like uh, that room that had the hands on it. So like you could only see the hands from like the kitchen, like, and you had to be looking at it. It only like we saw it during daylight, like after we had slept there that night. But then like one of the uh, rooms, there was like a window, and you opened it, and there was chairs facing the house, sitting outside, like almost to the like woods area by this house. And like the pictures were like really nice. This house was very like, just the grass was like grown up, and like there was a couple different barns outside, and it was just yeah. Anyways, scary. So you think somebody died there? Most definitely. But before we left, I was like, either someone hadn't shot a gun yet, or maybe I was just really hungover. But I woke up and went in the backyard and like popped a couple rounds off. As you should. Yeah. (laughs) R.I.P. We stayed at a uh, bed and breakfast in Taos, New Mexico. Uh, And it was this really cool bed and breakfast. So it had... Like six rooms in the main quarters, like where the where the sitting area and the breakfast area was with the kitchen. And then like so you pull in the driveway and it's like her house. Like the lady who runs the bed and breakfast and there was like one little like cabin off of it. Then you had two bigger cabins, then like the garden. She's a hippie lady and she was super awesome cook and like really cool host. And then the other one, and it was like these different style rooms. They all had different themes, different colors, but they were all like uh, shabby Southwest kind of like Adobe style. It's called Adobe and Pine. So really cool place. We had this one, we got one of the bigger cabins because we felt like we were in a splurge. So it was like separate living room, private hot tub, all this kind of stuff. One of the coolest places I've ever stayed in my life. You were one mile out of downtown Taos, but you could walk everywhere. Like they had this little trail that would go off the property and you could walk up to like the old 500 year old church and like all this other cool stuff. That's pretty cool. I'm, I'm, I'm a blast. I'm a big walker and adventurer like that. I like that. Taos is the place to go. So what's cool about Taos, New Mexico is you're, you're in New Mexico. So you think desert, the Rio Grande Gorge is there, which is the second highest, uh, bridge to cross a gorge. So you can go like hike the rim and like super awesome. But 20 minutes away is the Carson National Forest, like where all the ski places are. It's like angel fire and all that. So you can either be 7,000 foot up in the mountains or you can be 2,000 foot down in a canyon. Yeah. Within an hour of this place. Badass. I highly recommend it. If you just want to go chill out. And then also, if you leave Texas on the way there, you will come across Story Lake in New Mexico. It is the only body of water that is 80 miles from Santa Fe. So if you ever want to go park out by the lake, 80 miles from Santa Fe, like the song says, it's the only one. one, (laughs) You can do it. I bring that joke up about every five episodes to see who actually remembers that horrible (laughs) song. So, But you cannot actually get 80 miles. You can get 79.6 miles from Santa Fe. But you can still be parked up by the lake. <laughs> they round it up. It's fun. You got to round it up. You got to. So we've rambled. Uh, so you said you went to studio back in the day whenever you recorded your first album, which was Highway 287. Mm-hmm. I remembered. A little throwback and a little reference to where you grew up in that Waxahachie area. 
Tell me about that. You you went in and did full project right off the bat. Kind of tell me about that whole process for your first yeah, album. It was kind of, it was a really bittersweet moment because uh, I was starting to make a transition from acoustic to full band. And I was like, I have nothing to give bands to like learn, you know? So I was like, man, I got to get a record out. And at the time of me doing that was when records were a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, we're in an age where you put out singles and EPs and, you know, you can put out a song and then two weeks later, everybody's like, what else you got? You know, so (laughs) very much an instant gratification culture. Yeah, very, very, very. But I mean, it's cool now, but it just sucked dropping a whole album right whenever it was transitioning to a single EP culture. Because, you know, I grew up with Stone of the Rue, Randy Rogers, you know, now all these guys that put everything they had into an album and I was like, shit, I want to do that, you know? And I was really happy I did it, but, and you know, it put me on the map, you know, it kind of made music what it is for me. But at the same time, I wasted, you know, 10 grand on, on something that didn't do as well because the culture was changing, you know? I wouldn't say you wasted it. I mean, it was a good project. I like it. I still jam it every now and then. It, It was fun. And also, a crazy thing is, is like whenever I did get a full band, I got a bunch of like rock musicians. So like, I, I mean, I, I grew up on that early nineties, late nineties, early two thousands, rock and roll, the alternative rock, pop punk, um, even, you know, earlier punk and coming from that into the country scene, you know, I felt like I needed to do the Texas country thing. And then I got a rock band and I was like, shit, you know, you know, it's fun to play my songs in front of a bunch of people. But, you know, I was thinking about it today when it, or last night when I was taking a shower, it was just like, I, I love slow songs, but, you know, I loved playing slow songs in front of people. I also love playing like rock songs in front of people. But even when no one's there, I still love playing rock songs, you know, I get it. I get so, it hundred percent. It, it was just like I was making a trend after I put that album out, I got, you know, a band and then we started doing like more rock and roll stuff. And, you know, I'm still a singer songwriter, but also like doing rock and roll, you know, but they can coexist. Yeah. But I, I think, I think we were talking about it on the way up here. I think Colton Moore kind of paved the way for that, of that 100%. bridge between songwriting and rock and roll. And I, I, I've looked up to that guy ever since I've found him. He's a pretty, he's a pretty, he's a pretty cool cat. He's got some good jams. I think, I think people get a misconception when they hear Texas country singer songwriters. They think, I think we've grouped people or labeled people incorrectly for so long saying Texas country mm-hmm. or saying red dirt, just because we didn't know. We felt we had to group people together, but we didn't know how to necessarily describe music. Exactly. Um, Cause everybody wants, well, tell me what it sounds like. No, it sounds good. And it's just Texas. Texas. (laughs) But at the same time, we were integrating sounds from like, not only that, but you have people from New Mexico, people, you know, so you would have the storyteller West Texas side of it, which carried into Mexico. And then you would have some Zydeco rock, Southern rock flair coming from, from Louisiana, Arkansas, all that. And then we had people from, you know, what we call Appalachian sound now coming, you know, a Chris Knight from Slaughter's Kentucky coming down. And we just Adam Hood, Adam Hood from Alabama. Yeah. So we had all these different sounds, but we kept the label the same when it was an incorrect label. Yes. Um, Uh, Man, I I, I like to tell people that Texas 
Texas is great because we have just about every type of music, uh-huh. and all you got to do is put Texas in front of them. You know, we have Texas rock, Texas blues, you know, Texas songwriting, Texas Americana. You know, it's just like it's just everything Texas, and you know, it's it's kind of second nature to us, so we don't have to put Texas in front of it. Yeah, we just but, call know, it music. It's just music to us. You yeah, know? for sure, and that's what that's what I like it. So off of that first album, you had. A song that's kind of a tongue-in-cheek little uh, nod to the mothers out there. <laughs> the mamas. The mamas. I don't know any other way to describe it. Uh, I think it. Uh, you kind of captured the whole having a uh, having a. I don't know. This is called segue, by the way. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. You just you got the crush on the older, more experienced person out there, and. Uh, I think the first time I heard you play that, it might have been by a campfire or somewhere else. I just remember cracking up because I love the song and I thought it was hilarious the way you just described everything. It was great writing. I just thought it was just kind of funny. Man, I, I was really big into Turnpike and and Tyler Childers whenever he was like on the up and up. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I I kind of liked that like Americana like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, man, I really want to write a song like that, and. I, I listened to, to Tyler Childers, one of my favorite songs. Uh, he had this acoustic video of a messed up kid, uh-huh. and they were doing like that broke down band, like kind of barn feel. And it was just one of those, like, and that that's where I originally got the idea because I related to it so much. I used to, uh, I used to have a thing for this, this chick, and um, down the road, a place called Boxcar, where I kind of started playing acoustic at. Um, she got really drunk one night and I went to the box car, but I couldn't get in. So I had to wait for her to come out to take her home. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the whole Miss May thing came from. <laughs> Love it. And, uh, it, uh, it was one of my buddy's moms. Oh, that's even worse. Her name was, it was Kay. We called her Kay. I just kind of switched it to the Miss May thing to protect the innocent. Yes, to protect. You feel like playing it? <laughs> yeah, I'll play it. I'm just trying to save us from going any deeper into this hole here. <laughs> it's a, it's like a like an old, old legend, old legend of Cain and Bryce. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but here's what's name. Hey, Miss May. Hope you're doing alright Do anything to make your mind on mine Me and Billy been friends a while But I got a thing for you No, I'm young I'm not your age We fall apart from everything Who makes the rules anyway anymore Oh, Miss May So I can't say Oh Miss May Be my everything Despite my age all the same, but I won't treat you like a game. 
I'd be willing to bet everything for you. And we can leave town and never look back. Buy us a ticket for a southbound track. Pack our bags and head on out for the hills. Oh, miss me so much I can't say. Oh, miss me be my everything, be my everything. It's a long shot. But a boy can dream It'll be different than what it seems I can give you what a woman needs and more I know it sounds crazy But I love you You can teach me a thing or two Teach me what I have to do Love Oh, miss me So I can't say Oh, miss me Be my everything I was over here. I had to mute my mic because I was over here singing along. I really thank you. I love that Man, song. I, I never knew that was like a favorite of yours. It is. You know, we actually started. I did this thing where I had my old band, and they like didn't really like the the first album that I did. So we kind of did more of the rock route. Mm-hmm. My new band really likes Miss May, so like we're starting to incorporate some of those older songs into our set with our newer songs. And man, I, I'm so happy with my decision. Good. That song, it's cause it's catchy as hell. Yes. And you've got it. a good hook on that and it's relatable. It's, it's a guy's version of strawberry wine. I mean, uh, what kid hasn't like thought about their best friend's mom, you know, uh, it happens <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Often, it's part of the hormones and the growing and the learning and the whatever you want to call. I mean, as a kid, you grow up and you're just like, I can give a woman anything she needs. You don't fucking know any better. You don't know what the fuck's going on. <laughs> so you talk about playing with your band quite often, and pretty, you're pretty prolific uh, proponent of your 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 guys. How important is playing music with others for you? Not just your band, but others. With like like friends as yeah. in general, great. I mean that I feel like that's kind of I wouldn't say it makes an artist, but it makes especially in Texas, man, and especially in Nashville, like those big grouped area music places. Uh, 
I feel like that's kind of where you find out who you are is, you know, playing with so many different people and, and your best friends that are honest and give you their real fucking opinions instead of, you know, somebody that just blows smoke up your ass all the time. Yeah, for sure. It, you, and you're right. It, it, when you can, when you surround yourself with yes, people, you never will get better is never. always my opinion. Iron sharpens iron. So you have to have somebody who's critical of what you're doing and let you know, Hey, is this real or uh, that ain't working? Because if not, you don't know. You may think you got the greatest, you know, thing since Slash Bread or the greatest song since, you know, since Jackson Brown was pinning songs. And you find out that it's really not. No. And that's good. Whenever I, whenever I write a song, I always send it to a lot of my songwriter friends just so they can kind of tear me down about it, you know. Either they say, oh, yeah, man, that's great. Or it's just like. Nothing, or they're just like, "Oh yeah, man, oh yeah, good." So that that's kind of one of those like, "Okay, do a little bit better." It's it's hard. It's hard to be critical of friends because you don't want to hurt their feelings, but at the same time, you want them to be you the have, best that they can. You have be. to make them the best artist they can be, and you know, not even just with music, just with anything. You know, if you wanted to be a doctor, you know, you can't tell them they're right all the time. Then they're never gonna need to get better. That's that's the truth. I 100% agree with that. How was it for you? Um, and I don't want to say influences and all that. That's a standard trope question, but like with you growing up and you were pretty close to the Metroplex and you were in what I like to call a good bubble for music, especially in North Texas area. How was that for you getting to hear like the different diversity and sounds and everything growing up? I know you said you were a, a big early punk rock alternative kind of guy, but I mean, there's also good veins of R and B and Texas around here. So I mean, absolutely. How did that, how did that affect you and your sound um man i i've always been a really really curious guy so like growing up my stepdad listened to you know just nickelback stained bush seether and you know my mom uh in her old days she listened to a lot of country so you know like alan jackson garth brooks and then as she got older my mom uh my mom was kind of a gangster you know so she hung out with uh you know, a, a lot of the the you know, African American crowd, the black crowd, the, the Mexican crowd, and she picked up a lot of their love for that culture. And you know, my mom was a big R and B and a big rap person, and um, I picked up a lot of R and B from my mom. And then my aunt sang in church, so she like brought me onto the gospel, the soul. Um, the, the Aretha Franklin's, you know, it's, it's, I, I had so much around me that I almost took it for granted and didn't take it all in. But then I kind of grew up and was like, I need to soak all of this in. And so, you know, between, you know, the rock, the rap, R and B. And then, you know, as I got older, my brother got me into like the Texas country, the honey Brown, uh, Ooh, honey Brown, dude, that's old school. And, won't you smile for me, my Texas angel? Yeah, that's one of my. It's still one of my favorite songs, and I don't even know if they're Texas based or not. But it's like, do you remember Zach Walters? Zach Walter and the Cronkites. Yes, Zach Walter and the Cronkites was the I'm, name of his band. I'm I'm probably gonna hit him up soon to cut one of his songs. Which one are you looking at? Down easy. That's a good one. That's a really good one. Um, there's so many. 
you talk about early 2000s, uh, we'll call them Texas country artists that were out there. Uh, one of my favorite songs in that kind of era, I'm a massive Pat Green fan and Ragweed fan and Robert Earl fan. But oh, yeah. One of my favorite songs, She's No Amy. Mm-hmm. Dude, uh, who wrote that song? Uh, it's Josh. Josh. Uh, it's not Turner. It's Josh. No, it is Josh Turner. Is it Josh Turner? Yes. It is Josh Turner. Yes. Yeah. I heard him sing that for the first time. It was they had at the Sokol Hall in Ennis. They had like this little get together. And it was me, Josh Turner, and Clayton Landy from Six Market. Okay. And I heard him sing that. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm melting in my seat. And she's no Amy. Dude, I love that song. Great song. I, I still have it on my phone. It, I think it's on. So I've got like a bunch of different playlists for different, you know, whatever mood I'm in. And it usually makes it 90% of the time on any of those playlists. Oh, yeah. 100%. And it's just like great songwriting. There's there's really nothing more than, I mean, the, he has a great voice. The guitar sounds amazing. The hook is great. But just just downright damn good songwriting. And it's man. got depth. It's oh, yeah. not a surface level song. There oh, is no. depth to that song. Oh yeah. It it's it sucks you into a, a deeper part of your life, you know. There is um Ryan Beaver is another artist I think is highly underrated. Love Ryan so there's a video I'll show y'all whenever we uh, finish this episode that he did on back when we were doing TXRDR. And the only place you can find it is on the YouTube. I watched that. You know which one I'm talking Absolutely, about? The yeah. one where he's talking about, That's there she goes. Beaver. Yeah, there she goes. Looks like she's flying. Uh, it'll be one more mistake. Yeah. There That's was, the only place you can find that song. I used to play a Ryan. Uh, it's a really slow love song by Ryan Beaver. Under the Neons? Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, shit. I got to pull it up now. <laughs> This kid's is the portion where we have to go and look up things on it because we can't remember what the fuck we're talking about. Uh, yeah, but it's it's one of his biggest ones. Uh, how about you? Oh yeah, it's a good song. Oh dude, I, the first time I heard that, I cried like a little bitch. And I was like, I have to learn that and play it now. <laughs> who's your Who's your like? Uh, people would be the most surprised that you listen to artist. Man, I can answer while you're thinking. Yeah, you go ahead. Most people freak out because I'm a massive Pink fan. I love pink. I listen to pink all the time. And they're like, yeah, but you're like the singer songwriter storyteller. I was like, yeah, but pink's a fucking amazing yeah. artist. I'll, I'll say this. My, one of my first concerts I ever went to was pink and kid rock. Okay. And that's a pretty good. Or no, maybe it was pink and Lenny Kravitz. I think well, that's even crazier. Yeah, that was great. I remember Lenny Kravitz, like crowd surfed and he got back on stage with the mic and was like, you put your hand down my pants. I like that. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like in the back, like eight years old. Like, Whoa. what does that mean? I don't understand. My hands in my pants, mom. What is um uh, that, uh? Lenny Kravitz got one of the most soulful songs. It ain't over till it's over. Yeah, I like dude that song. He's a rocker, but then he's got that song. And you're like, oh, that's got some a phenomenal guitar player. Phenomenal monster. Oh yeah, monster. It, it really sucked being a songwriter and growing up knowing that he didn't write most of his songs, especially his biggest hits. Oh. It sucked knowing that, but I still love them. I still love Lenny Kravitz. There's so many artists out there that don't write their music. Look They're still Elvis. Elvis. He lived on everybody else's songs. You know? Yeah. You ever been to uh, Sun Studios? No, not yet. Uh, I, I went to, uh, we actually went two weeks ago to Memphis, and we didn't have enough. It was, we drove to that big ice storm. We were playing with Pegasus and the rooftops up there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we stopped in Memphis 
uh, the day before and crashed and then got up and then drove through the ice storm. So we had to like leave very early. Oh, no, whoa, what's the, what's the question you asked? Sun Studios. No, no, no. Uh, oh, before that. Yeah. Sorry. Artists. Yeah. You'll, you'll understand we get super ADD on this and go <laughs> everywhere. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. So wh- who's the artist people would be surprised that you like? I actually listened to a lot of like, I'm, now that I think about it, it's really it's almost fitting, but like uh like Irish rock and like like a sea shanties. Uh, Dropkick Murphys. Uh, yeah, that, but also like the the old like uh like eighteen hundred like campfires like roll me bully boys and I heard me boy like yeah, that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the sing along stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like like the drunken war chant. I, I listen to that stuff too. It kind of fits you. <laughs> no. Drunken battle guy. That's it. Drunken battle guy. That's oh, that's gonna be a new genre. Drunken battle guy. Yeah, drunk drunk battle music. Drunk battle music. Oi. <laughs> you gotta have a what's it called that the um the Tongans do? The duh, duh, duh. Where they do the chants and they do the oh the, the war dances the, uh, the haka is yeah, that what it is? yeah. The haka. I always scared the shit out of me because uh, we always watched Trinity growing up in football. <laughs> they do come on do that yeah. shit. They, well, they, they, they were actually, intimidating. They actually said they couldn't do it anymore because they would like get in the middle of the field and it would take forever. So they're yeah. like, no, you can't do that before. That's bullshit. It's like that's a huge intimidating factor. Uh, definitely a hundred percent. Cause they, there's, there's a large population of Pacific Islanders there at that school. Yeah. And they're big motherfuckers. Yeah, they are. Fuck yeah, they are huge. And I was always jealous cause they all, they could grow their like beards out and their long hair out. And I was like, my school, we can't have shit on our ears. We have to shave every three days. <sighs> yeah, it's different. It's like coaches is horse shit. Yeah. But you know what? They got away with it. Cause well, that's their culture. Yep. Damn right. You ever, um, do you ever watch any, uh, rugby at all? Yeah, actually, I do. You ever seen whenever the uh, the New Zealand All Blacks, the team that's like the greatest rugby team in history, does that? Uh, I'm not into it that much. I watch like highlights on Facebook. Go look up. It, the name of the team is the All Blacks. It's it's a New Zealand team. It's like the New Zealand national team, and they come out dressed in all black, and they will get in the middle of the field, and they will do that, and then they're going to go whoop your ass in some rugby. I'm just letting you know. Dude, there's, there's – Them boys some, are tough. There's some rough motherfuckers in rugby. Well, no I, I, I grew up with these two twins that played rugby, and they were on our football team. They weren't that great at football, but – God damn, they could play rugby. But they were tough sons of bitches. You couldn't oh, hurt them. Dude, it's crazy. Dude, they they would come. They would come to football practice the next day with broken hands, broken elbows. Didn't care. No, no, they would still practice. They didn't. Give, they didn't give a shit. There was mm-hmm. one on crushes for a whole year, and then just got back into football like it was nothing. Okay, let's do this. Those yeah. guys are. Oh. I, I I envy that because like. Man, I don't know if you've ever been punched in the nose, but that shit don't feel good. And they're out there headbutting each other. Uh huh. And I'm 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 not one to turn down a fight by any means, but I don't want to live in getting my ass kicked in, you know, for forty minutes. But if you should want to be that guy, go play some rugby for a little definitely bit. Definitely go do it. And there's usually somebody who's about sixty pounds lighter than you is going to whoop your ass the whole game. And it's usually cold. And I'm not one to to be. I'll be active in the cold, but like. Something about getting hit in the cold? Man, dude. I, Hurts. I, I've always told, like, my worst decision I ever did was I fought this guy in cold weather. And I I won, but I didn't feel like I won because my hands were just <laughs> just splintered. 
because it was just so cold and my yeah, knees. Fine. And it was just like I'm not fighting in the cold weather ever again. Let's make sure it's tropical outside before we do that. Yeah. <laughs> Call me back in summer. Call me back in July. We'll settle this shit. We'll settle it. About 9 p.m. So the sun's going down. So it's starting to get a little cooler, but it's got a little warm. Or you can just apologize for talking about my truck. No, I'm just kidding. He talked about your truck. <laughs> Asshole. You stay away from my woman. That sounds like half of the conversations I remember hearing in old East Texas days. Oh, yeah. You said you're a conspiracy theory guy. Oh, man. Here goes the rabbit hole. That's what we're doing. What is the strangest conspiracy theory that you subscribe to? Oh, man. Um, like the most off the wall mm-hmm. that I believe in or that I've seen. What you believe in? Um, I can tell you mine. Yeah, you go first. You go first. I subscribe to this. I don't know enough about it to understand it. I think Atlantis was real and they were aliens. I believe that. Because you can't, how can you deny that all these cave paintings and all throughout history, they always have images of people in spacecrafts coming the Egyptians, down? The Egyptian hieroglyphics? Yes. I mean, the, the paintings on the wall, they all show spaceships. And we talk about Atlantis was more far advanced and the entire civilization just sunk into the ocean? I, I mean, I, I watch a lot of Joe Rogan, especially the, the history nuts that get on there. Uh-huh. And there's actually a, a, a guy that explains it on, I think it's uh, Graham Hancock, I think. Mm-hmm. And he he explains how like the flood was a real thing. You know the the biblical flood. Yeah, no, they 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 are just a lot of scientists that, that say that yeah. that was real. And also water levels. Uh, I mean, I I believe in like Pangea, how the world split apart. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Everything. Um, I feel like Atlantis is just one of those places that just uh kind of got sunken underwater. Yeah, but I also believe that. Oh man, dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna seem fucking crazy. No, you're not. You're good. Um, I believe that humans were once aquatic. Okay, like uh, like we came from. Uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of animals that have been proven to were fish and adapted to grow out of water and were sea and they're amphibious. Yeah, 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 and. Then all of a sudden, just like evolution happens, and you know, you know, monkeys are created, and bam, here we are. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, uh, I like it. I uh, like where you're going. It's 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 a, just a theory, but there. I, I mean, if <coughs> if lizards can regrow limbs, I mean, there's no telling what humans could have oh, yeah. been back in the day. I've also been seeing things where they talk about the rainforests. Uh, in South America are not natural. They were planted. Oh shit. Like many, 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 many generations ago that those used to be, I mean, it was still like an arid region, but there like used to be like bigger villages and everything. Oh yeah. And they planted a lot of these plants or they brought them from different regions. And then they took over these villages when like, whether it's the Mayans or whatever civilization that did it took over and they just, Overgrew. I, I think I, I have a theory of of because that's the, all the uh what do you call them like the Mayans uh Mayans it, Aztecs all them yeah, yeah 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 that culture that was South America at one time in the rainforest and I, I feel like 
it was just like disease ridden and everybody kind of died off. And then vegetation took over at one point. That's just a theory of mine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Because I mean, no one's just going to let vegetation take over their, their home like that. You know? No, but uh, yeah, I mean, and you look at those civilizations, the Mayans and the Aztecs, those are assholes. Yes. Big assholes. And they were crazy advanced compared to anywhere else oh, in the world. Absolutely. I mean, they built massive temples and, and they, we're not talking like Europeans or anybody who traveled over here yet. They were doing it their own way. You know, one of the craziest cultures I've ever, like, it's almost too much to even understand, but the Egyptians were just crazy. Yes. They were absolutely uh, far ahead of their time. They, they had, they had, Gold. Whenever people were still living in the wood ages, you know, yeah, it was crazy. Aliens, uh, absolutely. Aliens. That's all I can explain it. It was. <laughs> we were watching Transformers the other night, and they're just like tearing apart. Uh, it was the second one, the Revenge of uh, the Fallen. Yeah, yeah. And they're tearing apart the pyramid, and there's like this huge like alien artifact under there, and I was just like, I fucking know. I it's know real. it's in there. Probably is. But they won't let us. It's either they've already explored it and they don't want anybody to know, or they just uh, because it's historic that we haven't discovered it yet. But maybe didn't I just see something where like they just found like another lost city in Egypt like last year? Like they were out digging in the and I think they found a new city. I want to say I saw that. Like it just like they had no clue, like no maps or anything, and then all of a sudden, boom, city, bam, like yeah. a completely lost city out in the middle of the Sahara, and they were like, look right here, and we're like, oh shit, man. <laughs> I wanted to ask you this a minute ago. Do you believe in the lizard people? I don't, but I can see how some people do. That's not one thing that I believe in, but I mean, that's, I believe in a lot of weird shit, but that one, no. That's, that's definitely one I believe in. Lizard people? Oh, yeah. Maybe. Lizards are crazy, man. They are? But I, I just, I, I believe it's more in the UK, though. I, okay. I, I don't know why I think that, but I'm, I'm pretty sure Queen Elizabeth is is a shape-shifting reptile. <laughs> they got a lot of money. They may be able to. Yeah, she's like old as balls, you know? She is. It's like. I mean, I don't know. I believe I believe in a lot of weird stuff. There's too much stuff that's unexplained for me not to. Um, I definitely think like everything that's coming out in the news about alien encounters and everything most recently, that's just been going on for 60 years. Yeah. We've just been. It's just like it happened back then. It's happening now. It's just, it's or it's uh, people think it's such a new thing, but I think a lot of stuff that happens in our current life has happened previously. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's just like they're just like regurgitating information and throwing it in our face and doing it again ten years later. Yeah, I mean, people are so crazy. It's like, oh my god, UFOs, and it's like shit's been around forever. I don't know what you're what, where you been at. Yeah, they just have been telling us it's not real. Yeah. <laughs> Assholes. What about ghosts? You believe in ghosts? Hell yeah, I believe in ghosts. Ever seen one? Yes, I actually have a crazy story. Um, I was a junior in high school. No, maybe a sophomore. No, yeah, sophomore. And uh, it was Halloween, and a big group of us uh, went out to a cemetery out in Dallas. I can't remember which one it was, but there was a huge billboard on the way in. And it was like right next to a highway. So we go there and we spend, you know, all of our three hours of Halloween scaring the shit out of the girls we had with us. And as you should have. Yeah. And on the way out, we're driving out and there's just, just like this ghostly old lady sitting 
on top of this billboard. And it's like three in the morning, four in the morning. And this lady's just sitting up there. And I was just like, please tell me I'll see this. And they're like, yeah. And like the whole like 30 minute drive home, no one said a fucking word. Cause you're scared shitless. And it was just like number one, like three thirty four in the morning. Number two, an old lady has no business being on top of a billboard. Mm-mm. And she was like, had this like muddy white look to her. It was. Okay. Yeah. No, it, it was, that's like the closest thing that I've had to the paranormal other than just like shit going on around the house. We actually have a house ghost. We've named him David. Okay. And he like, he, he, he seems pretty friendly. He hasn't like done too much. Just yeah. let you know he's there. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just like. Hey, fuckers. Bread moved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like doors or what kind of? No, just like sounds like the dogs will bark at the dinner table. Uh, just like shit kind of goes on around there and you're just like, hmm, kind of eerie. Appreciate you, David. So he's just there. Yeah. He's just, hey, I'm I will say this. I did have, uh, you ever had sleep paralysis? I, maybe one time, but I do know. About it, and I and, and I get like I've heard a lot about it. There's like one time that there something happened that I think might have been sleep paralysis, but Dude, I'm not sure. It was it was kind of crazy for me because I've never experienced anything like like I'm I'm a big dude, and like it takes a lot to scare the shit out of me. And uh, I usually sleep face down, which is not good for you, I know. But I was sleeping face down, and all of a sudden, like my eyes opened, and everything was black and white. So I'm staring at the side of my pillow. Everything's black and white. And I'm like, this is fucking weird. What the hell's going on? All of a sudden, it's like I have eyes in the back of my head. I see this like very ghostly dark figure came up and just put his hands on my shoulders and held me down. And I tried to move. And all of a sudden, I lost all power. Like It was like I was going to move. And I was making the motions, and all of a sudden, just shut down. And then I tried to scream, and I did a full scream. And it was like someone took the volume knob and just turned it all the way down. It was like, ah. And I was trying to scream. I was trying to move, and I couldn't for like what felt like 10 minutes. And I'm just like trying my hardest. And I finally, like, in my head, I took a deep breath, and I was like, fight out of it. And I slowly, slowly fought my way out of it. And I got up and was like, oh, what the fuck? And I went and like grabbed this cross off the wall and sat it by my bed. Didn't sleep much that night. Nope. That, that was a pretty crazy one. Nope. And uh, not that I'm saying nope, that I don't believe you. Nope. Yep. Nope. No. Nope. Nope. That's that's one thing that I, I don't mess. I, I, I do mess with it. I, I, I was really big into the paranormal stuff, watching like the paranormal videos and at one point, I wanted to like travel Texas and be like a, a ghost guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I realized that wasn't a real dream, and you can't do that. And got to have a lot of money. Got to have a lot of money. <laughs> I have been to a couple places that are that are haunted. Didn't ever get to experience anything, but I have. We stayed at the Minger in the old part of the hotel, mm-hmm. um, right across from the Roosevelt Suite. Because you know, there's people that say Teddy Roosevelt's ghost can be is down at the Minger because that's where he recruited all the Rough Riders. Yeah. Didn't have anything happen there, but it was just a cool kind of old feeling. I plan on visiting Jefferson, Texas this uh, this coming up summer to go see uh, Miss Sarah Hobbs because you know she lives over there oh, yeah. and she can, she's already told me she was going to take me to all like the haunted spots out there. <laughs> and she's like, oh yeah, because that's supposed to be the most haunted place there is. Yeah, 
And then I've been to a couple other places and I've told different stories. So I believe in it. I just, I don't know. No. I will say this on the other side of things, other than like the, the shitty ghost experiences. Um, I've had my stepdad passed away in 2009 in a car accident. And, uh, actually I, f- I vividly remember him coming to me in a dream and kind of giving closure. I don't know if maybe it was just my head doing it for me, but it was like years later. Uh, I was in college at the time at TVCC in Athens. So I was like 12 into 12 beginning of 13. And, um, my stepdad had like this long, long blonde hair that I've always just like envied. I loved it. Uh, he was like bald up top, but he had like, it was long in the back. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, for some reason, man, I, it was just like, that happened in 2009. And this is, you know, five years later. And I was just like, I was sleeping. And then all of a sudden it was just like, bam, white room. And, um, it was like a long hallway of barber chairs and mirrors. And I was walking down this hallway of barber chairs and in the back was a doorway to the left, like right in front of me on the left. And then one of those windows, but it it was like one of those like fog windows that like the principal office has, like you can see figures, but you can't see what it is. That frosted glass kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Frosted glass. And I walked through the door and he's in the front, he's in the barber chair getting his hair cut. And he was like, my boy, what's going on? Uh, and I was just like stunned. And he was just like, tell your mom, I love her. You know, tell the family, I love them. Uh, I love you. You're my boy. And I woke up and it just immediately just ball for like 10 minutes straight. And my girlfriend at the time was like, what's wrong? What's going on? What's wrong? And I couldn't talk. I just cried. And, uh, that weekend I didn't plan to go home to see my family and them, but I think that was just kind of my time. It, it, it made me like, all right, I have to go home. So I went home and told my mom, told my family that, you know, Jimmy kind of gave us closure and, and that he loves y'all and that he loves me and that, you know, everything's okay because, you know, in a car accident, you don't get that kind of closure, you know, it just mm-hmm. kind of happens and it's done. So that was like the other side of the ghostly experiences that I've had, which was really, really cool. That is. So the story I haven't told, I very few people know that I've talked about it. My dad was really sick with cancer in the 2009, 2010. And he was down in Austin getting treatment down at the live strong center where Lance Armstrong and everybody went. Mm-hmm. And uh, when it was getting towards the end, he wanted to come back home here. He lived in Cleveland and he's like, I'm tired. He like, six months of treatment and everything. He's like, I'm tired. I just don't want to do anymore. I was like, okay. So I brought him back up here and uh, we took him to the hospital and it was, you know, we knew time was short. It, it was coming to an end. And uh, we took him to a, uh, a hospice and he had been uh, like, he was like, I'm, I'm tired of fighting. I just want to be comfortable. Okay, dad, we'll take you up there. And we took him. Ain't nothing wrong with that. No, no, he was done. He fought for, he fought for a long time and he's like, I'm done. I was like, You're, okay. tired of him, You're tired. You don't want to do it. So we took him up there and I can distinctly remember as vivid. This happened in 2010. I can remember it as clear today as when it happened. Uh, I had every, you know, I was going and seeing him every single day and we came back here to the house and, uh, I was like, all right, get some rest and then go see him tomorrow. And I remember it was right at about one eighteen or one nineteen in the morning. I was having a dream 
we were in like a, a big living room. My dad was sitting at the table, just kind of like in a chair, just kind of watching everybody have conversations. And it was not the way he looked then, but how he did when he was healthy. And uh, like just everybody was there. Family was there. Friends were there. And everyone was just having a good time. And he was just kind of watching it all. And the lady walks in and just goes, all right, Jim, it's time to go. Walks in and says that. And I sit straight up. My phone was sitting uh, on the nightstand. I grabbed the phone, set it down in front of me, unlocked the phone, and looked at it. And 10 seconds later, a lady from the hospital called said, your dad passed. Damn. And the only thing I said was, I know I'll be there in 10 minutes. Because I'd already started getting dressed. That's like, goosebumps. Right like, there. I knew. I don't know how, but I just, I knew. And it was just weird because it was like, this lady, this wasn't, I don't know, an angel or what, but it was just a lady just watching. He goes, okay, Jim, it's time to go. Just like... It's time. Yeah. And my dad was just like, okay. And then I woke up and then, Damn, it happened. but I knew the phone call was coming. Like I consciously knew the phone. So I unlocked it. I just started putting pants on. I was like, I knew. And the human body is absolutely amazing to me. Just to have that, that non-physical connection with somebody like that for it to just, oh man, it's crazy. Strange. Very. It's, I, I used to think of it as as something that you couldn't explain, but as I've figured out how crazy the body is and how the mind works, like I believe in those connections like that to where your dad kind of just like reached out and was like, Hey, you know, it's just, it gives me chills. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, it wasn't like a nightmare. It wasn't, like it felt real. I mean, it was, I can remember colors in the room. I remember what color shirt he had on. I can, Absolutely. he had on a maroon beanie. Cause my dad wore beanies all the time. Big <laughs> gray beard. Like, like I can remember it. It wasn't just like a standard dream. And like, it was pretty vivid. And like, I just knew Yeah. kind of like you said with your stepdad, like you just like it, you knew. And dude, if like you, like you said, it felt so real. It, it almost feels like a part of your life, you know, mm-hmm. that's something I'll never forget. It's ever. like a memory. It's not yeah. like it was a dream. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's the best way to explain it is it, it was real life. It was a memory. Yeah. You know, nuts. All right. Now that we've gone down the rabbit hole, a <laughs> I, lot. I, I, I will say this. I did figure out actually just last night, uh, I, I followed this TikTok of Reddit and just like a bunch of crazy shit. And it's just like, what's a scientific fact that, uh, when you found out that you just still just don't believe. And, um, I didn't know this, but you know, when you're dreaming, one side of your brain constructs that dream. And then the other side of your brain watches it and is still surprised by the plots that this side of your brain. No, I did not know that. Swear to God. That's crazy. It's, it's wild. All right, now I'm going to have to go into a rabbit hole tonight looking about this kind of stuff. <laughs> Thanks, Kanan. Know what I'm going to be doing for now, the next six hours. Now, now I know I can send you weird shit like that. Oh, come on, man. Because I, I don't have a lot of other like weird people I can send it to. Not that you're weird. Oh, I like, am weird. I know I am. But like that shit intrigues me. I'm so. a nerd, 100%. Absolutely. I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm like a nerd in all the right places, you know? I'm a music nerd. I'm a book nerd. I'm a like a word, a written word nerd, but history. I'm also like history, paranormal. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah I yeah, dig yeah. all that shit. That's why I get sleepless nights sometimes is I will stay up and just, like you said, sometimes write it. Sometimes I'll just go down those wormholes and I just want to learn. I think it's, I, I want to learn. That's, that's more so why I do it is just like, I, I've, I've never believed knowledge is power until I got out of college and 
started doing that where I watched uh, like history channels on YouTube or, you know, dove into like music interviews of like Tupac and, you know, even like Stone of the Ruin them. And I, like I said, I, I've, I've sit there and work and do three hour YouTube videos of, you know, the bronze age. Mm-hmm. So it's, and it's, 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 I love it. It's crazy. And, I love to learn. And I'll tell people all the time, like, you know, stupid facts that I know or, or something, you know, and they're just like, how do you know this? I'm like, man, I don't know. Honestly, I just kinda, remember. It's like, I kind of dive into it. <laughs> it just happens. It pops up on like YouTube suggested. I'm like, Hmm, three hours. Let's do it. Let's watch it. <laughs> Same way. Just as guilty. Yeah. I will, I will learn and then I will seek out. I'll hear something on the podcast and I'll start looking more. Oh yeah. dude. Oh, yeah. Same way. I'm with you now. Now, now I'm going to send you like all the weird shit I see on TikTok. Come on with it. I, I don't do the TikToks, but send it to me. I'll watch it. Yeah. yeah. You, you can like get, you can, you, Pull it up on like your webs web browser. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I get shit like that all the time. I love it. <laughs> so now, since we are kind of circling around talking crazy stuff, you said you just recently went in and cut some songs. Yeah, I actually went back to Melody Mountain, dude. My studio experience has been so crazy. Uh, we could probably talk an hour on it. It's there's no time limit. Right on, man. I'm I'm happy to be. I'll, I'll say this from the get go. I'm happy to be back with Josh Serrato and Ben Hussey over at Melody Mountain Studios because I had so much fun this past week. I, I stayed pretty much drunk most of the time. <laughs> it's kind of hard not to do that in Stephenville, but you know, we'd get up, go in the studio, do studio work, get off, go to the Rock and Pee or the Nettle, and then drink, and then get up, go back to studio. You know, it's just kind of like a repetitive thing around Stephenville. It's a lot of fun. You get to spend a lot. Of, I don't get to spend a lot of time in Stephenville around my friends over there. I spent. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Buck oh, for yeah. letting me crash in his kid's bed for four days. <laughs> He's such a good guy. Such a good guy. He was like, "Where are you crashing at, man?" I was like, "Dude, if I didn't find anywhere to crash, I'd probably crash crash in the van." And he was like. You're staying with me. And I was like, yes, I am, Buck. Yes, I am. Ooh, a house and a bed and a shower. Done. And I want to publicly apologize to Buck for getting absolutely hammered and eating all of his mac and cheese cups. <laughs> I ate like five of them. <laughs> That's okay. There was one night um, uh, Austin, Buck, and Matt played a show, and uh, Matt and Buck ended up staying the night over here, and we stayed up all night eating uh, boudin. <laughs> I cooked us a bunch of boudin and we just stayed up all night eating boudin, talking about Shel Silverstein. Dead serious. That's like hours. If I told you half the shit me and Buck talked about this past weekend, you probably wouldn't be surprised, honestly. I probably wouldn't be. No. So how many songs did you cut? Uh, we were supposed to do two, man. I originally went in with two and then I showed Serato three of them and he was like, let's do them all. Love it. So, we got three uh, three songs, um, man. I, like I said, I'm I'm just glad to be back with with Josh, and I feel really at home, um, in that studio, and and it, it feels really cool to be back with with Serato on the mountain, and uh, just like the history of that place, and how many artists have been there, and and shared, you know, the stage of LJT, and 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 have recorded in there with Josh and them. It's just. It feels good, and I've I've had such a horrible experience, and I feel I feel like I need to tell this story just for smaller artists out there that like are having trouble in studio. 
uh, just to not not fucking give up because I was so close, man. I was so close to just stopping. Um, man, there's just a lot of lot of like negative from this scene that I just felt like it's been working against me. And um, you know, I went to studio back in uh was it twenty? No, it was the end of nineteen because it was right before COVID. Right before pandemic, yeah. Yes. So I was in studio and we did uh, I'm not gonna say the producer's name, but yeah, we, no need to do all that. Yeah, yeah. We went to studio and we were supposed to have two days and we only did one day. Um but I paid for two, you know. Um, but we only did one day and then uh the dates that we had to record, he just like continuously rescheduled them. And then the pandemic happened. So everything shut down and, you know, I, I respected the fact that he didn't want to do it because he had like an older family and, and I, I definitely didn't want to, to cause any havoc on that. And then, uh, pandemic kind of started letting up around, you know, the end of 20 and, uh, we had some dates and then like that morning I was supposed to go, he canceled. And then I finally was just like, Hey dude, we got to do something. And then went back in, finally did some stuff at his home studio and, uh, it was going in a good direction, had a lot of fun. And then just MIA for, uh, into, into 21, I think. And, it was just like a whole year it's been since our first days of doing this five song EP and it's been a year past. And it was just like, Hey dude, we either got to shit or get off the pot, man. We got to do something. And finally it was just like, Hey man, I'm not really feeling it. Uh, uh, I'm not really feeling like he, he got a day job and started the day job. And he was just like, I'm working seven days a week, six to seven days a week. And I was just like, man, you know, I'm working a day job too and still doing music, you know? And it was just like. His heart wasn't in it. Yeah. And I, I think that's a lot of what it was is he just didn't believe in the music like I did. And um, so um, moving forward in 21, right at the beginning of 21, I called my buddy Tyler McCollum, uh, Parker's older brother. And uh, me and him have been friends for a while. And he was like, hey, dude, I got a studio over here in New Braunfels. Come over here. We'll cut a song, see how it goes. And it was uh, me and him kind of co-produced it. And then Cody Angel was our um, engineer. And uh, he played. Shout out, Cody Angel. Yeah, yeah, shout out. And hell of a hell of a steel player, by yeah, the way. Hell, hell of a player in general. Just, say, just general yeah. musician. Yeah, he's crazy. And um, we got in there, busted out back to you. Um, got to get that out, which I was really happy with. I was happy being with those guys because, you know, Tyler's a good friend of mine. I've known Cody for a hot minute. So it was just like, you know, a bunch of friends making music and I loved it. And we were in just a super cool studio out at, um, the, is it the zone? The zone. Yeah. Uh, where like Turnpike cut their Mercury album, Ray Wiley Hubbard's been there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, fast forward now I'm back in studio with Josh and Ben and and couldn't be happier with the music and it's been like t- you know two years hey so it's just like shit it just shows the importance of making sure you have the right people to work with absolutely and it, and it may not be that the people are the wrong people they're just the wrong people for you yeah it, I mean you got to gel um, I went down Ben cut my intro and outro for this because I mean you know well 
kind of fitting. That's where the song was recorded that Austin and I co-wrote for the oh, yeah. intro. So we were like, hey, and I just, I've been down there several, you know, say several times, handful of times with those guys in the studio and ultimate professionals. They, they fit kind of what I enjoy the studio experience. I obviously haven't had as much studio experience as other musicians, but I've been in probably a dozen different studios at different times. And for me and what I like and the feel I like in studio, that's what worked for me. Yeah. And uh, it's not a knock on anybody else. It's not that I ever had a bad experience in any studios. Just that was, that fit me. And I'm, I don't know if you've been in the studio since they remodeled it, but they've sourced it all around. Like, um, the, August or July was last time I was down there. I want to say Reed Barton helped them kind of configure some of that stuff over there and helped them uh, remodel it a little bit because there was the big room where they recorded drums where the bar was, and then the engineer room uh, was that smaller room. Mm -hmm. They've actually turned both of those into recording rooms, and then they added on a part that they turned into the engineer room and it has like a fridge, a sink, a shower, a couch. So I've been there since they had like that, that room, but the, the engineer's room was still like you walked in and then it was that big open room with the bathroom and then the couches and everything. Uh -huh. Then you still went into the engineer room and then you had the off to the sides, you had the big room and then the ISO booth. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they've remodeled that room and moved the engineer room into that big room. Okay. On, where the side door is with a mm -hmm. little patio. Mm -hmm. Which is super cool. I love it. So, since you did cut two, uh, a couple songs down there, do you want to play one of them for me? Yeah. I'll let Dealer's Choice, I'll let you pick what you want to play and give us a little story behind it. Man, uh, this is... I didn't think this was going to be as cool, but, man, we started... This was the last song we kind of demoed at first. Uh, we did a song called OKC, which is just like a strictly rock song. And then we did a song called Maybe... And then I'm not sure if this one's going to be called 3 a.m. or until I'm leaving. Uh, but it was it was not as cool until Josh played guitar on it. Like I've always loved the song, but Josh started playing guitar right from the get go, and it was like a really chuggy rock guitar. He put a little flair on there. Oh yeah, and I was like, holy shit. This one's going to be the new single. So I think this one's going to be the new single that we're going to put out first. And uh, whenever it gets done, I'll definitely send it your way. So Please do. Please give, do. Give you your, or give your take on it and see what you think. Man. Please do. I always love getting music. Um, but actually, they were having a sale at HEB, and it was like a buy one, get one, half off. Of those big ass Arbor Mist bottles, yeah, strawberry mango, and um, bought two of them for Miss Holly Beth, and uh, she didn't do a lot of drinking, so I was like, I'm gonna go downtown and try to write, and mostly to drink this wine. So I went down there and smashed both these bottles in like downtown Waxahachie in this like little writing area that I have, and. Um, I was sitting down to write a fun, happy song, and it just took a huge turn for the worst. And, Maybe. Uh, turned into one of those songs that uh, I always say that uh, it's, it's a song about someone you want to change, but you know they're never going to change. Okay. I'm with sense? you. I'm perfectly. I'm right there with you. But um, 
we started playing. I played it for Josh, and and he loved it. And then he started playing, and he was like, "Did you have to put this one out first? And I was like, "Absolutely." But yeah, this song's called Three AM. I guess I don't know what what should it be. Is it is it Three AM or until? Or actually, listen to it. First. Let me listen to it, and I'll give you some feedbacks. Yeah. Well, it's Three AM. And I know you better now Than I ever did I can see how it all turned around Anything I ever said And you know the right things to say Just to tear me down Yeah, I know you better now and I know that you're gonna say that you're sorry But you can go ahead and say that you didn't mean it But it's too late to say the things you say To save your ass every other day I don't want to hear those lips calling me baby Nothing's changed I can see it in your eyes Everything will stay the same And you seem to be doing fine Never ever giving way Yeah, I've heard it a thousand times Every single different way you will Never change And I know That you're gonna say That you're sorry But you can go Ahead and say That you didn't mean it But it's too late To say the things you say To save your ass Every other day I don't want to hear those lips calling me baby And they won't Yeah, you won't Until I'm leaving Until I'm leaving Yeah, yeah Till I'm leaving Until I'm leaving And I know That you're gonna say That you're sorry But you can go Ahead and say That you didn't mean it it's too late to say the things you say To save your ass every other day I don't want to hear those lips calling me baby And I know that you're gonna say that you're sorry But you can go ahead and say you had your reasons 
But it's too late to say the things you say To save your ass every other day I don't want to hear those lips calling me baby And they won't Yeah, you won't Yeah, they won't Yeah, you won't Until I'm leaving I really like that, Kanan. That's fucking good, dude. Thank you. All right. You ready for my suggestion? What's up? Left field. Not saying you got to use it. I just got an idea. Throw it on me. Soliloquy. Soliloquy? Do you know what that means? Zero. I don't even know what you said. So the word is soliloquy. All right. Here's the definition. An act of speaking one's thoughts aloud when by oneself or regardless of any listeners around, especially by a character in a play. So it's you're thinking out loud. You're speaking out loud to either yourself or regardless of who's listening. I like that. Soliloquy. (laughs) Where'd you even find that word at? I was an English major in college. And I was oh. also in one act play in high school. And so like when you would see like a play like Hamlet and, and Hamlet's got the big speech, but it's not to anybody. He's just it's out loud. You're thinking your thoughts are being spoken out loud, regardless of who's listening or if anyone's there. It's just like you're talking to yourself out loud. Hmm. That's really deep. Have, I, have, have, you, been, been, have you been holding on to that word? I've used it many times before in my life, but never in songwriting. I think when you use the word, I don't think anybody ever understands that. Soliloquy. You're way too smart for your average musician, my friend. (laughs) I doubt that I'm way too smart, but it's just. I'll tell you this. English was never my strong suit. I I, I was a very big math guy. Coming up in high school, I was like. I already know English. I know how to talk to people. Like I was science definitely isn't my strong suit. I wasn't into history until I was in Texas history. And I was like math. I'm always going to use math, like athletics and math. I'm always going to be athletic and I'm always going to do math. With I suck at math. See that, that was, that was, I, maybe it was just cause I gave everything for math. Like I was there just like, fuck everything else. I'm going to, I know numbers. I, I know words. I, I, I'm pretty quick on my head. Like I can like do math problems in my head pretty quick and round up pretty. I'm, I'm okay at it, but I would not say math is my strong suit. I would say English in the language is my strong suit. I'll, I'll say the seven and eight, like multiples of seven and eight are my big bugaboos. Like anything other than that, I'm pretty good at. I'm not really good. Anything above two plus two <laughs> or times 10. Times 10, I'm really good at. I can figure what the tip's supposed to be on anything like nobody's business. I'm really good at that. Like you give me the like a, a bill at a restaurant, I can figure what the tip is really fast. Really? But anything other than that, I suck at. See, I was never good at percentages. I, I, I can give you a roundabout percentage, but I can't give you exact percentages. So the way I learned it was, so you look at the bill, 10%. So you just move the decimal point one time and then multiply by two or add it to, together. Yeah. That's all I do. Just real fast. Other than that, any math whatsoever, mm -mm. (laughs) out the window, out the window, cooking, (laughs) cooking math. Nope. Terrible at that. Mm -mm. I I, I am really bad with like ounces and, and poundage. 
phone. I have to use the yeah, phone. That's, uh, I do that. Yeah, I, I, I bought this little magnet that we, that we have on the side of the yes. that converts everything. Nice. I actually used it last night. That's the way you're supposed I, to do it. I don't know about you, but I'm a really big cook. I love to cook. I, I will. Um, we made um, spinach and cheese stuff raviolis. Alfredo spinach yeah. and cheese stuff raviolis. Little parsley on top. It's homemade. Homemade Alfredo. Homemade Alfredo. Okay. Not no Bertolis. No, 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 no. We're, we're not warming that shit up in a jar. We're cooking that shit with butter, cream, garlic. You're speaking my language. My wife is an amazing cook, hence why. <laughs> I, uh, I'm a I, fat boy. I don't know if you know, but I brought a meal in. So, I, I synced it. And that's exactly what it was. <sighs> Love it. My wife is an amazing cook. I, I fancy myself a um, grilling expert. I'm pretty good. I make a mean steak, pork chop, ribs. I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty astute on the grill, but I'm also pretty good at doing some Italian stuff from scratch. Absolutely. I, that's one thing I haven't got to do yet is make my own pasta. Um, I've only done it one time, but. It was pretty good. Yeah. I need to do it more. It's different. It's different. All this, all this American shit you buy is really, really bad for you. It's not terrible. That's why, like, in, in Italy, that's all they eat is pasta. And not everybody is like 600 pounds, you know? No, and because they, they eat this shit every day. Well, it's, it's the way that it's processed. Yeah. We are in a culture where everything's full of fucking bullshit and pro- over processed. Even most of the rice that you get here is shit. terrible. Yeah, dude. I don't know. I'm I'm big on like Korean and Japanese food and Chinese food, and they like shit on our rice over here. Like yeah, they, it's they, terrible. They talk shit on American rice because it's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. I hate it. I do like me a good jasmine rice though. I will. <laughs> good it, it, fresh steamed jasmine rice. It, I will talk shit about it, but I love it. It's, it's the only rice that it can sit overnight and not just be chalky as shit. Yes, I love jasmine rice. Jasmine that, rice that, that's my rice. go-to rice. I did yeah. this. I did this thing in college where I was like a fitness guru and I was like brown rice. And then I was miserable because I ate brown rice like for two months straight, just chicken and brown rice, and maybe little vegetables here and there. And it was, ah, I hated my life. Like my mouth is dry all the time. Oh yeah. I hate brown rice and anybody that eats brown rice, I don't hate you, but I strongly disagree with your life choices. The problem is, is we put sugar in everything. And you're not supposed to put sugar in everything. No. It ruins the flavors. But we think that as a preservative, sugar and sweeteners got to go in everything. I will say this. I've, I've, I was not a TikTok guy whenever it first came out, but I figured out that TikTok's not a lot of just like ass shaking and, and stupid ass dances. Like you can find your side of TikTok and like I have a bunch of funny shit, but like, 80% like educational. Like mm-hmm. I, I love seeing woodwork. I love seeing like remodeling houses, like people that make their own vitamins, like, uh, Oh yeah. Like the people that are really, really organic, not really organic, but just natural. Like they, they're, they they're homopathy and they, they make yeah, their own stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I've, I've actually thought about doing that myself. There you go. Because wrong with that. I mean, these vitamins, that, I, I've started taking vitamins just because I'm fucking 20. I'm about to be 28 next month, you know? So I'm starting to feel not really the the older man in me, but it's it's like I would rather take care of my body now than twenty eight. <laughs> I'm forty two, sir, and I've got a grandkid, okay? You wanna talk old man. <laughs> I, I well I, that that's why I don't want to say it like that, but it's just like I would rather take care of my body now. Yes, I encourage to you to repair it later. You yes, know? please do. 
don't be like my dumbass who's had to have all these surgeries in my late thirties because I didn't take care of my body. Yeah, my my hip is shit right now, and I'm I've always been one of those guys that's like I'm too manly for yoga, but like fuck that, do it now. I, I want. I'm telling you, do wanna, it now. If if yoga wasn't so expensive, and if there's anybody out there that wants to reach out and just like hook a boy up with some yoga, I won't. Dude, go you can do YouTube yoga. I know that's not the same. You know? I, 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 I Start need, there. I need. Yeah, true. You can do yoga on the Wii, sir. You got a Wii? No. You can do yoga on the Wii <laughs> balance board. I, I will say this. I, I'm a. I'm one of those guys where I can watch somebody do something and do the exact same thing. I, I've always been like naturally good at almost everything I pick up. So that's actually a really good idea. That's how I learned to play guitar with YouTube. <sighs> Hate you. Yeah, I still can't I, play guitar with shit. Everybody hates me because they're just like, "Why are you fucking good at everything?" And it was just like, it's natural for me to see somebody do something and just like, like stud their movements down to a T. You know? How are you at the at the pommel horse and at the rings, sir? On what? On the pommel horse and gymnastics. How are you at the pommel horse and the rings? Um, uh, I do big boy sports. There's some pretty badasses that can get down them rings and do that Iron Cross. I'm just saying. <laughs> what do you think this is? What what's that? What's that movie that uh, it was Will Ferrell? Uh, old school. Old school. Yes. Uh, that's not me. Does the Iron Cross? <laughs> he's like chugging a cigarette. That's where he's at. That's hilarious. <laughs> Canaan, I want to tell you thank you. We've been sitting here for the better part of an hour and a half just bullshitting oh, and swapping. Shit, an hour and a half. Yes, sir. It goes by fast, doesn't it? Damn. I told you, man, this is just, we just talked. Simple Most conversations, su- man. Simple conversations. So I'm going to ask you one question and then we're going to get into the outro because I, I, I ask this question every episode and I haven't got to it yet because we've had some fun stuff to talk about. And then we'll do the outro. Is music a passion or an obsession for you? Mm. Man. That's a hard one. Uh-huh. And I'm not letting you get off easy by not answering it. I would say I would say music is a passion, but songwriting is an obsession. Explain. I've always so before whenever I got into music, I got into the songwriting side of music. I I I've obviously loved all kinds of music growing up. Right. But songwriters just always intrigued me. And every time I sit down to write a song, whenever I write like songs that people like really enjoy to listen to every day, almost feel like I dumb that down for people like in like the in-depth songwriting is, is something I'm into. Like I'm a huge Sean McConnell fan, you know, uh-huh. I love Sean McConnell. I love people like Chris Knight. I love, uh, Amos Lee, you know, just like in cryptic songwriting, like Dave Matthews, you know, I've always loved, in-depth thong- songwriting like that and and some of my people that I look up to are in-depth songwriters and there's even shit way out of the genre that I'm even in of songwriting that I I love you know and um, on the music side of things I just I want to make just great music that people want to listen to honestly I, I'm I'm a big people pleaser so like when it comes to the fans, I want to give the fans what they want, but also like keep my songwriting to myself. If I that makes you. sense. Like, like, I get you. Like I, I want to make music that people love and that people enjoy and that I enjoy, but I also hate to give up part of my songwriting to make music enjoyable for others. So 
Will Green told me something that Jack Ingram said that they both follow is sometimes I write songs for you and sometimes I write songs for me. Yeah. The songs that I write for me can be for you too, but they're still for me. And the songs I write for you can also be for me, but sometimes those songs are just for me. Yes, absolutely. I butchered that quote completely, but you get what I was saying. <laughs> yes. That's, that's to a T of what I look at music and songwriting. Okay. I like it. I respect it. Thank you. Yes. So for the 13 years that I did uh, radio with live production for TXRDR, every time we would go to a uh, commercial break, people or we backstage, people would always ask me, hey, what do y'all talk about when the mics are off? What you and I just did for an hour Same and a half. Shit. <laughs> we just talk about life. We, we did about 25 minutes of it before we even got started. Yeah. It's just we nobody's there to push record. Yeah. So that's where I came up with off off mic. You know, pe- people, people think like, people think all these artists just say, oh, do y'all talk about, you know, music and drugs and shows and you know crazy shit y'all fucking like have elephants in the back blowing fucking fire out of their ass it's like no dude we do the same shit you do every fucking day we just get a little nerdy sometimes yeah very nerdy we we just have music to do it with you know that, that's just the it's job just like, it's like the same shit when you're you know ironing out shit at your work and all three of your buddies are sitting around fucking off talking about bullshit. That's exactly what we do. Everybody's normal. Everyone's got a life. Everybody right. wants to do it. So that was the off mic part of it. Off the record is my favorite way to concern, consume music. I've been blessed with over the years to maybe be in uh, some rooms I shouldn't have been at or campfires I probably shouldn't have been at <laughs> and getting to hear the infancy of songs. Oh, yeah. And my favorite way to consume music is that hearing the songwriters take on a song before it's a single, before it's uh like I said, the infancy when it's first getting started, first getting its, its breath and you get to hear the inflection in the songwriter's voice and you get to hear like the true heart of it. And uh, I always ask the guests to close me out with something that is their off the record tune. It's a song. That's the bottom of the guitar case, back of the notebook. One that's hung around for many years, hasn't found a project to land on. I got one, but you. maybe will someday this, I might not ever put this song out. I'm may never play it for anybody, but I got really drunk in the stockyards and my roommate drove us home. And once again, I sat down to write a decent, like happy tune. And for some reason, Kane and Bryce just can't do that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, sat down on the couch and I started writing this song and, um, forgot that I'd written it the next morning and I I remember writing this song and just crying while I was writing it and then I woke up the next morning and was like shit I wrote a song last night listened back to it started crying again and was like wow do you do this shit to yourself and then I ended up sending it to Holly and I was like hey listen to this song I wrote it last night and she just like FaceTimes me in like five minutes, just bawling her eyes out in the back of the van. And it was, I, I don't know where it came from. And, uh, it's, it, it really kind of hits home with, with a lot of people. And, uh, <laughs> I was actually, I played it for the first time that next week, uh, in the stockyards. And, uh, it was me, Skylar Payne, and Shelby Stone. And, uh, I was like, I was really drunk, actually. And I was just like, nah, I'm not going to play. Okay, yeah, I'll play it. So 
uh, I kind of explained it a little bit. And there's this divorce party, this whole group of, of ladies that were just like, had like necklaces with dicks all on them. You could tell it was a divorce party. And, um, about halfway through this song, uh, Skylar Payne leans, leans over to me and I kind of saw him out of the corner of my eye and I was like, Hey dude, uh, take this how you want to, but that whole group of girls just walked out crying. And I was like, Oh shit. Kind of fucked up their divorce party. <laughs> nah, it means you vote to motion. Yeah. But, uh, this is, uh, man, I, I might hold on to this song forever. I might sell it to somebody. I'm, I might put it out. I don't know, man. But, uh, it's just, uh, I've I've always thought about like girls having songs about guys and guys having songs about girls, but no one really understands the kid that gets stuck in between all the bullshit and you know wondering if he could have did something different to to save you know mom and dad. So uh, this one's called Every Other Weekend. One more day is all I had And I wish more for dear old dad And he wished for the world in my hands All I want's for him to see Me and mom and what could be the best The best we ever had but stubborn hearts never could have been every other weekend. Every other weekend. We weren't perfect, but what we had. Was better than the broken past But what we had was more than I dreamed I wish mama could have seen That being right just ain't the key But loving more was the answer to it all and we weren't the family that we could have been Every other weekend Every other weekend Being blue just ain't the same When two hearts Head for change You wish you had The answer for the end Every other weekend Every other weekend Every other weekend Every other weekend. Damn, man, that is. Woo! Heavy. Dear. 
<laughs> I mean, that's really good. I generally thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That's a really good one. And yes, it's uh it's one of those one of those sleepers I keep in the in the bag for, you know, stuff like this where people that really love songwriting, I get to play that too, you know. Thanks, bro. And it's not all you know, broken hearts and beer bongs and you know, it's it's, it's I, I wanna show that I can do you know the rock and roll and 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 you know the the broken heart stuff, but I also want to get more in depth with songs like that and show true songwriting. Not not that you know other people aren't true songwriters. It's just it's like that's true when you can move people and make them cry and and goosebumps. You know that's songwriting to me. Essence. If, yeah. If, if if you can break somebody down and take them somewhere where they were before, that's songwriting to me dalton domino does a crazy job of it crazy job 100 thoroughly enjoy it kaneandbrassmusic.com is where we can find all your information yeah. uh, and if you see uh, see his name on a marquee please stop in say hello buy the merch support him uh, let's get him up and down the road that's the best way to support an independent artist is to buy the merch shake their hand say hi when you're at a show pay the cover it all matters i promise thank you again sir thank uh, you man all right until next time friends aaron bentley off mic off the record Adios. Off Mic, Off the Record is a Blacktop Poetry production. For more insight into your favorite independent artists and all things behind the scenes and in between, visit blacktoppoetry.com. Our theme is provided by Austin Upchurch. Go check him out at austinupchurch.com. I'm your host, Aaron Bentley. And if you made it this far, you're either really bored or you fell asleep. Either way, thank you for your support. And I'll catch you next time. Adios. It's